Hello there, and welcome back to Podrick the Podcast, the official incremental podcast channel. In our podcast, we have unscripted interviews with people we like from all corners of the industry. In today's episode, I, Maor Sadra, your host, interview Anika Nesti, lead data scientist at Tenuity. Anika shares her passion towards data science in the marketing world, or the Disney world of data, as I called it. What is it like to deal with CMOs and CFOs of brands who often just want to buy more last clicks? I absolutely love talking with Anika and had a great time hosting her in this interview. Enjoy listening to our conversation. <laughs> cool. So, we're going to start in a... Hello, Anika. Hi, Mayor. Good to see you today. <laughs> same here. Same here. Thank God it's Friday. Usually we don't really publish on Friday, so it's not super relevant to the listeners, but... <laughs> Cool. Anika, um, could you please introduce yourself and give a little bit of a background? Actually, you're not give a lengthy background to how you ended up where you are. Thank you very much. Hi, everyone. My name is Anika Nesti. I am the group director of integrated intelligence at Tenuity. I joined Tenuity approximately three and a half years ago. And um, my objective when I joined Tenuity at the time was to launch the marketing science division. And this is one of the subdivisions that make up the larger analytics organization at Tenuity. Um, Tenuity is a performance-driven marketing agency um, that is one of the leaders across the triopoly, which is Google, Facebook, Amazon. Um, we manage media across multiple clients, across multiple industries. And um, one of the things that we really The value here at Tenuity is our ability to leverage the insights of the data to make sure that the decisions that we're making, especially when we recommend strategy, is really informed um, by data and looking at data from the, the lens of science, um, being able to look at data and leverage some of those advanced analytic, analytical um, techniques to, to provide our clients better visibility into how can we navigate the ever-changing marketing um, industry and how can we ensure that um, their media investment is providing them with the highest return. Cool. Very, very interesting. And what did you do before Tenuity, Annika? Oh, before Tenuity, I led a data science team at another company. Um, the company is one of the technology companies that you, on the U.S. side. And um, all my focus there as well was to leverage um, their data structures to help build um, advanced analytics models. Um, we were able to leverage a lot of data around um, different aspects of the customer behavior and the customer experience um, to then help partner with our customers better, to make sure that our customers were engaged, to make sure that we're retaining our customers. So we built a series of customer intelligent models um, that would help kind of improve our level of service for our customers. Um, so that's where I was before joining Tenuity. So kind of doing a little bit of the same thing. Um, I think in my past life, it was more customer focus. Um, in at Tenuity, it's a mix of both. Um, we're able to look at media performance, you know, but we're also able to be more granular and being able to look at customers and users um, along that conversion journey as well. Well, I'm always fascinated, by the way, by data scientists who end up in kind of like marketing technology, because technically you could work in so many industries. What draws you to this like chaotic world? This is a really good question, you know. So the funny thing is, in my world, we usually call... 
the agency, like agency side. And if you're working for a specific brand or client, we call it the client side. So when I started off my career, like many, many moons ago, and I won't age myself, <laughs> I know um, that's one thing that I won't do, but many, many, many moons ago, I actually started on the client side. And um, I remember when I started off as an analyst after I completed my um, graduate education, um, I wanted to really focus on economic research. I wanted to be focused on econometrics. So I remember at the time when I started, I started on the client side and we were trying to pull together a lot of the data that we had to try to build models that could be implemented and help you know, improve customer experience. And um, one of the things on the client side, I remembered when I, after a while working there for, I think I stayed at that company for several years, I felt like, oh my God, this is great and everything, but every day I am dealing with the same data challenges. I'm dealing with the exact same data and the exact same problem. And um, I felt like, you know what? I, I want to be able to expand that. I want there are so many things that I've learned that I want to be able to expand and, and employ, you know? And um, I remember speaking to um, one of my really good friends at the time, and he worked on the agency side and he was like, well, if you're looking for a challenge or if you want to be able to experience multiple industries and different data, then you should come and work on the, on the agency side because you will have multiple clients. Um, every client is so different. Um, and for me, that, that is what I enjoy. I enjoy the challenge of first, understanding what your business problem is and then trying to figure out how can we address that business problem with the data that's available and then how can we use the science of machine learning the science of data science you know to help you know solve or answer or address that issue um, in the best way possible so that was the draw to the agency side so i remember you know after a few years working on the client side i jumped back into the i jumped to the agency side and I stayed there for like seven years, you know, and um, it was quite a challenge for me because I got to work on so many industries. I got to work on everything from fast food industry to um, tourism um, to techno with technology companies at the time. Um, I got to touch to, to automotive companies as, at, at the time. There are so many different industries and clients I got to work for. And I remembered when we would win those projects, it was just so exciting for our team because we felt like we had so many different types of data um, and being able to really apply some of the knowledge that we've gathered over the years, um, it was amazing to really activate those plans. I remember there was one brand in particular, we single-handedly built their database with direct mail at the time, you know, building direct mail models to target people's specific coupons and then getting those insights back. Um, I think that was so helpful. And then on the tourism front, I remember the client that we worked with at, at the time was one of the islands in the Caribbean and they wanted to figure out you know, how do they better target um, potential tourists in the Northeast of the US? So we built different models to help them target specific people um, so that they can, you know, showcase their island and get people to come in. So that has been really, really amazing for me. Um, I've been able to work across so many different brands. And then after a while, I felt like, oh my God, this was overwhelming. I went back to the client side <laughs> and, um, and that also was a really good challenge at the time because on the client side, I got to form um, this analytics center of excellence 
Um, and we also got to work on several different ch challenges because the company that I worked for at the time had different lines of business. They had a line of business that was on the cell phone side. They had a line of business that was on the cable TV side. Um, they had a line of business that was on the security and network side. So for, with that analytic sense of excellence, we're able to touch all those, the data that belonged into those lines of business. And that was really, really exciting at the time. Um, and then just progressing in your career and life happened. I did have two kids. I do have two kids. One is a three-year-old and one is a six-year-old. And I remember when I started my family, it became a little bit hectic. So I wanted to change my pace. Um, so I decided, you know what, I'm going to go back to the agency side and really start out again. Um, I wanted to build this component that I had done prior at, my, at the first agency I worked, where I could build that marketing science division and really be focused on using the science to help our clients kind of close the gap and be more data informed. Um, so that has been my passion. Um, I really, really enjoy it. I enjoy um, the unique data challenges that we have. I enjoy learning about the different attributes that we can capture from users, from data, from different aspects of, of data, and then using those insights to figure out how we can be more competitive, how we can set better benchmarks, um, how we can set better goals. I think that is something that I enjoy. So that's why I came back to the Tenuity side and that's what I've been doing for the last three and a half years. And I think it has been going well. I think some of the changes in the media industry is providing a lot of opportunity for us to add value for our clients. Um, one of the things, if you remembered when digital started was that everything is trackable, you know, that yeah, was one we're of gonna the definitely learn, get to know? the tracking. Yeah, yeah definitely yeah. get to the tracking part. Um, and I think, Oh, please go ahead. Yeah, I said, I think um, that that is one of the things, you know, that I came back to so that we can kind of figure out how do we use some of the tools that I have garnered over the years to help make sure that Tenuity is um, positioned in the right way to better serve our clients. Cool. By the way, it's really fun to hear your passion towards what I consider basically is this like enormous Disneyland playground of data that you can play with. And, you know, I actually very much really, I spent one year in my career on the client side, essentially. And indeed, I found it fairly boring. Yes, you can you can go in depth and you have like enormous amounts of first party data. But I have always enjoyed being on the side where I deal with multiple companies. Every day is, is different. Uh, it never gets boring. On the other hand, of course, uh, and I very much relate. I also have two kids, um, slightly older than yours. And, uh, you know, I I can say how many years I've been in uh, like the advertising space. I've been like 21 years, but it's okay. I started when I was 10. So I'm in my early 30s today. So all good. Um, anyways, but uh, no, I, re I relate to the fun. And actually a pleasure I have in this interview series is interviewing people who generally like what they do like like have a passion towards what they do and i interview a lot of the various people uh how does your day-to-day -day look like these days you kind of touched on it but like is there a you know a recipe to your day or is who knows so my day is very exciting, you know, based on what I was looking for. Um, I think if I, I would speak about how where we're focused as, as on my team, we're really focused on three areas for our clients. 
um, our goal as a media execution company is to make sure that we're empowering our channel leads to make sure that they have the right information about their channel performance or they're reaching the right audience. So I would say my day-to-day -day is really focused around three areas. Explain, we're trying to understand what has happened. Um, the other piece of it is, the other area that I'm focused on is predicting. We're trying to understand what will happen. And then the last part of it is in the optimized builder, you know, we get a lot of questions from our clients, you know, asking if I spend X dollars, what is that going to do for me today? So I spend a lot of time in these three areas. And because of that, my day-to-day -day is also filled with a lot of measurement challenges. Um, I think one of the things that we're hoping to do at Tinewood is to continue to expand measurement for our clients alongside some of the data challenges that we've had in the industries and some of the shifts that we've seen in the way that um, some of the platforms are enabling and partnering on data. Um, as you know, there's a lot of changes due to privacy that's occurring today. And we're trying to figure out how can we work along our clients to continue to show the value of an impact that we're having with media um, continue to be able to expand the different frames of measurements that we're using, because as you know, not every client is the same. Um, every client is unique. Um, I think we we serve the purpose of us being consultants and making sure that we're putting together strong recommendations that can be implemented. Um, we, we do love the experimental design framework, which we can test different theories and then show the impact that it's having um, as a brand, as, 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 as Tenuity. We want to be able to kind of show that tenuity value. So a lot of my day-to-day -day spent in those areas, really spent in the explain, the predict and optimize space. And a lot of my day-to-day -day is also spent in just understanding how we can expand the measurement um, with all the changes that are happening in our industry um, from the privacy side, as well as from um, with all the wall gardens that have occurred recently and the limitations we've had with user level data access. Cool. I'm going to ask you a completely random question. So you have two kids. One of them is six, right? The older one. Yes. Does your six-year-old know what is your job? Like, did, they, did you try to explain? I have tried. <laughs> I have tried so many times. <laughs> you, I have a startup idea, uh, Annika. We can create a children's book. <laughs> Mommy and daddy's job in the ad tech marketing world, trying to explain to kids. My son often asks me, what the hell do I do? Not, he doesn't use the hell, but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to explain. Yeah. yeah. They, I think right now it just goes over his head, you know, all he knows is that mommy's at work, but I don't know if he understands exactly what it is that we do, um, what I do, but hopefully as he gets older, um, I'll start to break it down for him. Um, but he is really, really good in math. Um, he's one of okay. those kids that are, that's, that's what he enjoys. I mean... I, sometimes I, I'm like so amazed by his brain already and the way that he can just absorb some of those mathematical concepts. So maybe he might have a future here. So I'm, I'm waiting for the point in time where he gets older <laughs> enough that he can start breaking down those concepts to him. <laughs> you know, like early 2000s when my friends who obviously also didn't understand what I was doing, like EZS would <laughs> actually, what, what they used to say is, ah, so you're the one doing pop-ups. 
to be fair, I was the one doing pop-ups, but uh, that was kind of like an easier concept. As, as this industry kind of evolved more and more and more to explain to an outsider today, but you deal a lot with customers, right? Like CMOs yes, and whatever of companies who marketing, tracking is not their day-to-day -day, um, and you're interfacing with them directly as well. That is correct. Um, actually, right before this podcast, I just came off a call where I was talking to one of the CMOs of a retail client that we have. Um, it's they sell this specific product um, and um, in the hydration space. And um, basically, what we were doing is planning and discussing this brand awareness campaign that they're about to launch. So my role was trying to make sure that we can determine you know, what is going to be the KPIs that we'll be using to define success, um, what are going to be the primary KPIs, um, what are going to be the secondary KPIs, and how we can continue to augment their measurement with some of the different frameworks like incrementality, as well as media mix modeling to help support during the campaign so that our internal team can be very prescriptive with the optimizations. Um, they can understand how well some of the dollars that we're investing in this huge awareness campaign is doing. And they can use those insights from some of the tools like incrementality um, so that they can make these optimizations on a day-to-day -day basis. So yes, I do spend a lot of time with C the CMOs of the world, um, sometimes the CFOs too, because they have to approve yeah, of course. the projects that we need to move forward. And um, we do spend time strategizing on, you know, what is the high level goal that they're driving, you know, um, what it is that they're trying to do and how can we make sure that the way that we're managing their marketing program aligns with helping them achieve that goal. Now, I'm going to jump into, I think, one of the most generic questions I ask in this interview, but the answers are almost never generic. So is marketing an art or a science? Well, I think it's both, you know, um, I think that you have to employ both to be successful in marketing. Um, I think a lot of the, for us to be competitive in and innovative in marketing, there has to be an art, you know, um, we need to be competitive and creative and innovative. And um, I think that's where the art comes in. I think the science is needed to make sure that we can measure, validate, test, um, some of the recommendations that we have generated from the art. So I believe that it's both. I strongly believe that um, marketing is one of those industries, I think, that can be um, very personable because a lot of the things that we're recommending is based on our experience, you know, based on how we are interacting with media, based on what we've learned. Um, and we're trying to make sure that we continue to be competitive for clients with the way that we put together different recommendations for strategy. Um, and then this is where the art comes in. And then I think the second part of it too is the science that will support that recommendation. How do we measure it? How do we test it? How do we validate that? Whatever strategy we recommended and we implemented that was actually effective. Um, I also think that there is an art as it relates to the way that we apply science too, you know, because sometimes um, the way that we've been taught in the past has been very perfect. We've had this really perfect use cases. Um, a lot of the times when I when I speak to some of my new hires that come straight out of college, that's one of the things that I try to level set with them that, hey, you know, um, 
the world that you're just coming from is is a perfect world. Now we're in the real world. And some of these purest methodologies and frameworks may not apply. You know, our goal is to be also artistic and creative in the way that we combine these different statistical frameworks to make recommendations, to measure, to shine light, to inform, you know? So um, I also challenge my data scientists who report to me to be um, artistic and creative um, and make sure that we are leveraging all these different aspects in our toolbox um, to come up with a solution that's really customizable and integrated um, for our clients. So I think it's a mix of both. Um, both on the marketing side, but also within the application of data science. It is both. It's an art and a science. Yeah, by the way, we see it uh, too. We see it sometimes with the PhD candidates to data science positions where you basically need to tell them, welcome to the real world. Um, so, Anika, I'm a little bit of a fanboy of you. I've been like... I've been reading some of the things you have written in the past and listened to some of the uh, panels and webinars you participated beyond the one we did together. You've been evangelizing alternative methods of attribution or measurement for, for some time. What brought you to this kind of like revelation? Oh, that's a really, really good question. Um, based on my background, I, I, I try to be, I, I believe that analytics has to be unbiased and objective, right? And um, based on that, everything that I've put forward is not necessarily to conform, but to be representative of what's happening. You know, I wanna make sure that we are representative in our approach. And um, last click attribution has been um, one of the methodologies that's, very widely used and adopted, you know. Um, that's one of the measurement frameworks that is available in the platforms. However, my challenge is that it's not representative um, because if we think about the conversion journey, um, even when I think about my personal conversion journey across different things that I've bought in the past, um, there are several different media touch points that I interact with before I make my decision. However, based on the methodology that last click attribution employs, I do believe that it's a little bit biased because it gives 100% credit to the last um, channel or touch point I inter interacted with before my conversion. And it ignores all the other touch points that was part of my um, full funnel engagement before I decided to make that conversion. So from my perspective, um, I think that Blastic attribution, as much as it's widely used in our industry, um, it's it's a very simple measurement. Um, I do think that sometimes it's a little bit biased um, because we're not getting to see that full funnel engagement of the customer. We're not understanding all the other channels that came prior to that last channel they interacted with. What was their role in that conversion journey? Um, at Tenuity, one of the things that we make sure that we are thinking about when we think about cross-channel media and cross-channel um, engagement, we're thinking about that entire funnel, the upper funnel, the mid funnel, and the lower funnel. We wanna make sure that the relationship across the channels that are part of these funnels are productive, You know that they are assisting each other, and they're really moving that conversion along, right? Um, so I think that they need to be represented. Um, I think ignoring them is 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 
is not providing us that holistic view of what's happening along that conversion journey. So from my perspective, I do believe that that's one of the things that needs to change. Um, I think another thing that has changed recently in our industry with the wall gardens, I think that's when I believe attribution and last attribution really started, people started challenging it because Facebook put up their wall garden, a lot of those that user level data that we would get that we could integrate um, kind of went away, you know? So I think that's another thing that kind of moved the industries also away from elastic attribution. People started asking about uh, multi-touch attribution and multi-touch attribution is representative. We're able to look at every interaction along the customer journey and we're able to determine, you know, which channels are most effective. If this channel didn't exist, like really giving each of them their fair weight in the process. So from my perspective, that's another step, you know, industry that changed that has really also expanded um, last click attribution as a source of truth. Um, and then finally, if what's happening with privacy, a lot of some of the tracking that we had, some of that is being challenged. Now we're hearing about cookie-less and the cookie-less future. And I do believe that if even if some of these things do go away, we still have other measurement frameworks that can give us visibility into what is happening. Um, incrementality is one of, one of those measurement frameworks that allows us to measure what's happening on a day-to-day -day basis and being able to drill down to a campaign level, being able to aggregate it up to a platform, to a channel level, being able to zoom down into a specific product. I think that's another frame of measurement that is expansive in the way that we think about attribution, as well as media mix modeling. Media mix modeling, I believe, kind of helps us set that long-term view and incrementality is that other aspect of measurement that helps us with more of that pulse check so that we can understand using the experimental design framework, how well some of the day-to-day -day changes that we're making with the management and execution of media, how well those things are performing, is it optimal? Are these things repeatable? Should we expand some of the tests that we're doing? Do I need to use two social platforms? Or is it okay if I use one? You know, So I think that being able to look at attribution across each of these different measurement frameworks is gonna give you more of a unified measurement approach. I believe like this is what is needed in this day and age because just looking at last click attribution alone, I believe that you, you're missing the majority of the picture. By the way, so you mentioned the so you mentioned the CFO earlier that you sometimes also meet. I think that often CFOs, the reason why they need to be in these conversations, because CFO will say, hey, just let's just buy last clicks. Let's just buy the last click because look, it converts so well. Why do we need the first click? But I wanted to actually ask you, um, let's assume that multi-touch would be possible in today's world. Um, how would you even like weight the different uh, touch points or would you just do it you know evenly across the board every touch point gets the same weight um or do you think like a generic model for across multiple customers can be built to actually understand what is the value of each click uh, along the path yeah that's a really really good question um i think from my perspective um True multi-touch attribution is somewhat limited because we can only do it using click-based data, right? Um, to really do true multi-touch attribution, I think it, you need both 
click-based engagement, as well as the viewers. But with the wall gardens, we're unable to get that viewer level information right now. So if I, we're... No, I, I wanted to say that I think that if you have ever seen Minority Report, which I'm assuming you have, because everyone in marketing technology has seen, yeah. that would be multi-touch. Yes. Mr. And Mr. Anderson getting targeted by a Gap ads, that yes. was amazing. That, that was, was my yeah. dream. That was my dream. Yeah. I wanted to do that with eye beacons and Bluetooth and whatnot, like to understand also location. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I think I think true multi-touch needs to be representative of both view throughs as and click. However, if you are able to compile all your click-based activity at a user level, and we're able to really identify who these, use, these users are. Um, there are several different approaches to multi-touch attribution. Um, I think of them in two different frameworks. I think of it as being rules-based, um, and the rules-based kind of expand on the same framework that we use for the last touch. Last touch is actually a, a rules-based attribution, but instead of just thinking about you know one singular channel, we can either determine that each channel equally um, contributed to that conversion. Or we may decide that um, the channels that occurred towards the end of that uh, of that country of that um, journey is more important. Um, there's several different methods for um, multi-touch rules-based attribution. Um, I know you've heard of like the U-shaped, the W-shaped, um, looking at the DK um, approach. So all of these approaches can be used, but it will be, it's limited because it would be mostly like click-based data. The other approach that we've used as well is taking more of that scientific or custom approach where instead of having the weights pretty fine, then we use machine learning um, to then understand what is the true contribution of that channel in um, along that conversion. So this is where we would use some of the machine learning frameworks like a hidden Markov model um, to make that um, estimation on what the weight of that channel truly is based on the data that we've collected. Um, but that is more of, the, of a custom scientific approach to, to attribution. The other piece of it is rules-based where the weights are kind of predetermined. Cool. So. Annika, for you, is the whole like death of the ID or this whole like privacy first world we're heading to as a data science as well. Is this a curse or a blessing in your perspective? So I think it's a little bit of both. I think <laughs> with everything, with, with, every, with change, you know, there's always like a little ramp up period, right? Um, so I think for me in the short term, um, it will be a little bit of a, a curse um, because there are several clients that we interact with on a day-to-day -day and um, for the past several years we have been evangelizing some of these things as being their source of truth and now we're going to have to kind of help them transition um, to a new frame of measurement. Um, so I think the short-term impact might seem a little bit daunting because we need to make sure that our clients get, get up to speed. Um, some of those new frames of measurements may use advanced analytic techniques that they may not be familiar with. Um, and we and during that time, I think this is the, 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 the time that we have to kind of bring them on board, make sure that they're educated about these different frameworks and how powerful that they will be. I also think that it's a blessing 
You know, one of the things, and I think it's a blessing in the long term, because I do think that in the digital space, we've been so dependent on this false premise that everything is trackable, you know? Um, I think one of the things that is a blessing is that once again, you know, it's gonna allow us to be more creative in the way that we leverage data and the way that we use these different measurement frameworks to help our clients understand the impact of media. Um, I think for me, a lot of those statistical frameworks that we learned, you know, very early on in a career, I think a lot of these things are still very much relevant and applicable and are great tools that can be used to still show value but I also think that you know this is going to allow us to be a little bit more creative um, in our approach to measurement um, so I think personally in the longer term it will be a blessing in the short term you know with the client management and getting them um, get, getting them to transition to these new frames it may seem like it's a curse but I do believe long term this is going to be a blessing. Now, you use the saying, everything is trackable, which I very much also know very well. But I have a different question for you. Um, is everything measurable? I think it is. I think that everything can be measured. I do know that not, not measurement is based on data. And there are limitations to data. But I think if we are... I'm very clear about our considerations and limitations in applying some of those um, statistical techniques on that data. I do believe that everything is measurable. I think one of the things that allows everything to be measure measurable is using more of an experimental design type of framework um, where we can create different tests and control audiences, um, whether we can create tests and control geos to test different um, initiatives. Um, or we can use more of a synthetic-based control approach to also enable that measurement. So I do believe that th everything can be measured. Cool. And I think since we're kind of running out of time, I'm going to jump directly to our lightning round. Are you ready, Annika? Yes, I am ready. So I'm going to throw a list of like basically, you know, one word, two words, three words is like the maximum here. And just, you know, come up with what you think. Cookies. I think cookies are something that was we've used in the past. I think one of the things in the digital agency that we have to be able to ad adapt. And um, I do think the cookie-less future is something that will happen, you know, and we need to think about how we enable measurement in spite of that. I wonder, by the way, if that, you know, the people who actually invented the cookie to begin with in browser, if they ever thought this is how the cookie would would end up be you being used for like tracking and attribution and user level data and so on i don't think they did if they did they would have probably designed it differently yeah yes i would agree <laughs> next one um 350 mobile banners like the tiny banners mm -hmm. i i'm so happy that we don't have to deal with that anymore <laughs> i don't like that <laughs> i refer into the pop-ups Oh my goodness, I don't like that. I, I do believe that um, we want to make sure that oh, the users that we're targeting with media, they are engaged, that it's productive. We do not want to um, overwhelm people. I think that, you know, it, it goes better if the, the, the potential client or the user is not annoyed, you know, so I would say that 
that's something that's a no for me. It's funny. So I come, much of my background comes from programmatic advertising where these like standards ad sizes was really important because you wanted everything to talk to one, one another. But actually now it's like it completely doesn't matter. The whole standardization of ad sizes. Interesting. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, NFT. NFTs. I mean, I think this is another ev evolution of a world, right? Um, I think people who are strong data citizens have taken advantage of, of this um, as a frame of, you know, generating income, generating awareness. Um, I, I think it shows our ability to change and be flexible as a human race. And that's one of the things I think that is going to be needed as we continue to evolve with marketing and media. Um, as humans, you know, we continue to improve the way that we, we we do things. And I think that's one of those evolutions. Yeah. Ads on Netflix. Ads on Netflix. <laughs> I am a Netflix user. And um, I am one of those people who pulled the plug. And if you remember, one of the, the companies that I worked for before coming to Tenuity was a cable provider. Yeah. And I remember when I worked for them, I pulled the plug there because of ads. You know, I want to be able to consume. Um, I, I like the flexibility personally of consuming um, my content without the interruptions of ads. It's okay if it happens in the beginning or before, but um, I'm not sure if I, I support ads on Netflix, but I do know that it's going to be um, it's going to be a, a income source for Netflix. And um, I think it's also going to continue to expand the way, you know, we can um, leverage media similar to that kind of OTT space. So um, I think it's another evolution for media and media channels that we can track. Um, but on a personal level. I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> you, know, it, you know, it's funny. Literally anyone I know in the ad tech industry has an ad blocker and kind of like yeah. a, an aversion from advertising <laughs> in a way. Uh, I, I think that's because we are we are in this world. We are uber aware. Like we yeah. know we know that this is an ad on Google while most users are like, oh, um, it, like, you know, I look for the brand or something says ad. Nah, I'll, I'm going to click it. Doesn't really yeah, matter. they have no idea. I try to explain to my husband all the time, all the different things that he's interacting with. That's an ad, you know, and um, sometimes he feels like, oh, I did recognize that this is an ad. I'm like, <laughs> OK, I think it's thinking, but um, I would prefer personally to not have the interruptions. But I do know that, that it's going to be impactful for um, our world, the media world, people who work in the media oh, world, yeah. I mean. Oh, it's yeah. going to be very impactful if they're able to do that <laughs> because I mean, Netflix is one of the leaders in their space. So yeah. being able to have access to those eyeballs, I think it's going to be very powerful. Yeah, you know, people have been talking about connected TV for years, but I think that this is going to be the game changer for connected TV. And talking about game changer, kind of like the last lightning round question, Super Bowl ads. I remember... Early on, Super Bowl ads were super intriguing for me. I kind of actually looked forward to it, um, but I know the cost of those things has <laughs> gone up significantly. And um, I'm not sure if it's something that's going to be sustainable in the future because you have so many different aspects of ways that you can invest those dollars and probably get a lot more from them. Um, I feel like right now it's a little bit overcrowded, um, but 
I do think that they're funny and they're hilarious. I do believe that it allows some of our creative teams at Tenuity to be very creative in their approach. But I do think um, right now it's very competitive and it's very costly. And as a data scientist, my job is to make sure that we are efficient in the way that we leverage media and we invest in media. So based on that, I think that um, it's it's an area that, that we need to watch because it's so expensive, you know. Did you ever measure a Super Bowl ad? Yes, I have in the past. Okay. And? <laughs> yes, I have. Was it ROI positive? I would say it depends on the brand. So for some yeah, of yeah, the of larger brands, yes. For some of the larger brands, yes, you do see um, a lift. But for some of the, you know, small or mid-level brands, I don't think that the lift that they're seeing from it is as significant based on what, it, what we're spending. Yeah. Interesting. Anika, what's a random fact about you? Oh, I am from a very tiny island in the Caribbean called Dominica. Um, Dominica is, sits between two French islands, Guadeloupe and Martinique. It's close to St. Lucia and Barbados. And um, that's where I was born. Um, my parents don't live there anymore, but I do have aunts and uncles that live there. Um, and Dominica is a really amazing island. It's um, very rugged. It's unlike the typical Caribbean advert that you see. Um, it's very mountainous. Um, it's a, a huge ecotourism destination. Um, we have a lot of water. We have like 365 rivers, so there's a river for every day. Um, it's very green and lush. Um, I really enjoy going back there. It's very rejuvenating for me. So, um, yeah. And Annika, parlez-vous français? Very small. <laughs> By the way, that's that's yeah. the only thing I know to say in French very well. Parlez-vous yeah. français? Un peu. Un that's peu. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Very small. And... So uh, my my grandparents actually speak French. Um, so as a child, my grandmother actually spoke French to me. So because of that, I understand it, but I cannot speak it. It's very weird. <laughs> <laughs> so you can speak to me and I'll understand you, but I can't Interesting. say it back. That's all I can say, you know? Cool. So I do cool. understand it because of her. <laughs> and Anika, if people want to follow you or reach out to you uh, digitally, of course, not to stalk you, yes. um, how can they do that? So I would say reach out to me via my work email, you know, or on LinkedIn. Um, I am on LinkedIn, so you can look me up on LinkedIn or you can reach me at annika.nesty at tenuity.com. Um, feel free to drop me an email online if you have any questions about measurement and what is the best way to approach it. Um, I mean, we're here to be consultants and help you understand the value that you're getting from your media um, and figure out how we can even get more. Um, so I, I think that that would be the best way. You can reach out to me via email, annika.nestyattenuity.com, or you can look me up on LinkedIn. Cool. Thank you, Annika. It's it's always a pleasure talking with you. I, by the way, I absolutely love the way you laugh as well. And it's always <laughs> fascinating because, again, you're passionate towards what you do, and it's felt in every single conversation we have. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you for allowing me to be here with you. Um, I did enjoy this as well, and I would say the same thing. Um, I think one of the things that you do bring to the table is you're super personable um, and very honest about what's going on in this world. And I do enjoy collaborating with you and working with you. Thank you for your partnership as well. Cool. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>